Good morning. Um, my name is Cor. I'm a pastor of outreach and assimilation here at Hope, uh, which means essentially you can get a cup of coffee with me. That's, that's what it means. So if you haven't had a cup of coffee, if I haven't bought you a scone, uh, for those of you who don't like scones, a donut, uh, you got to talk to me. I want to take you out and uh, get to know you. That's, that's what I do around here. Steve is the senior pastor. He has a date with a walleye, he told me. So he is uh, having, a, having a fun time fishing. Uh, we had the opportunity, Steve and I, to go to Seattle this week. And there was a conference. Hey, I can't see you guys over here. These things. All right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sight lines and all. Uh, we had a chance to go to Seattle this weekend for, or this week for a conference. It's called the Resurge Conference. And I, I didn't even know what that really meant, resurge, what, you know. Uh, but uh, came to understand that essentially this conference was about two things. One, contending for the gospel, contending for God, contending for Jesus Christ and all that he is. And then the other piece was contextualizing it, making it so that all of us can understand it. Contend and contextualize. And we had a great time, Steve and I, and... If you guys don't know Steve, uh, he's the man. He's just, he's, he's just the greatest guy. He wants to be friends with everybody. He, want, he just wants to know and meet and love everybody. There's this conference of pastors. You know, there's, there's four or 500 people there. And he literally wants to meet every single one of them, hear their story, what's going on with their church, how God has met them in their time. And uh, it got to the point where, like, I was kind of keeping up with them and, and meeting and greeting people. And then it got to the point, it's like, I'm all done. You know, I've, I've met as many people as I can. I've heard enough speakers where I'm just like shutting down. My body is shutting down. My mind is shutting down. And we still had about a half days left of the conference. So we get to the point where it's time to board the airplane. I mean, I'm thinking one thing. I'm just like, I'm out. I just, I need sleep. That's all I want. Don't talk to me. Uh, don't ask me a question. Don't ask how I'm doing. Don't ask me if I want to drink. Normally, yes, Mountain Dew. Now don't ask me. I, sleep is the number one thing on my mind. That's all I can get out. And, uh, and clearly, we got on the plane at 1 a.m. Seattle time, and we're heading to Minneapolis. So it's, it's 3 in the morning here. We're taking the red eye back uh, to get here by Friday morning. And uh, everybody, everybody on that plane had the same idea as me, with the exception of Steve. Like, everybody... <laughs> Everybody is like, I mean, I'm walking back. We're, we're the last ones to board. We're like row 47. You know, we're, we're like, it's us and then the bathroom and then the, the tail. You know, so we're way back there. And I'm looking around. I'm like, this is perfect. Everybody has the same idea of me. Blankets, they got pillows out. Lights are already off. The captain and, and the crew are just quiet, you know, creating a nice feel. <laughs> and we get to the back. And, and, and there's, you know, Steve is by the window. I'm in the middle, and then we got this other guy. And I know it's coming. You know, I've seen him the whole week. I've seen him. Hey, what's your name? My, my, my name's Steve. I'm from Minneapolis. What are you doing? Where are you going? How are you doing? And, and they get into this long talk about fly fishing, about fishing, fly fishing, where this guy is going. And I don't even know the guy's name. I, right now, if my life depended, I wouldn't know the guy's name because I'm thinking sleep. I just want to, oh, just... Get me there. Get me to that spot. And uh, Steve took time to, to meet this guy and talk to him. And, uh, and that's just the way I found him to be, to be at this church. And for all the things that this conference tried to teach me about ministry, the thing I came back with, by far the best thing I came back with, is that I so love this church 
and the people of this church, and Steve is one of them. Steve is a big player. I'm so thankful for the, the founders, the people that started this church, those seven couples that started this church, and the foundation that they started with, that we are now uh, uh, benefactors of, that we, that we get to receive the gift of, because what this conference was espousing and promoting, much of it, much of it, Hope has built into its DNA. And so I'm so thankful this morning uh, for Hope, for Steve, for the founders, for the people that have made Hope what it is today. We are in the midst of a series uh, in the book of John. I want to welcome those of you who are here for uh, Mother's Day. Perhaps uh, a family member kind of drug you here and uh, you get to experience Hope for the first time. We're in the middle of a series on the book of John and it's uh, part two is, we've entitled, Who Do You Say That I Am? Meeting Jesus Christ Through His Signs and Ministry. And that would be my prayer for you this morning. As I've approached this message this morning, I really, really want you guys to meet Jesus. Um, in the writing and preparation of this, uh, during the, the, the dull speakers, in the writing and preparation of this, I really felt like I met Jesus. I really fell more in love with Jesus because of these words this week. So just to recap, we'll start in John chapter 4. Um, most commonly referred to as the woman at the well. The setting is that Jesus has to go through Samaria. He's traveling north, and he's going to go through, through the, the region of Samaria. And these are half-breeds. That's how they're referred to. They're looked down upon because they've intermarried with non-Jewish people. And so they're looked down upon because of that. But Jesus is going through this area, and tired as he was from this journey, he sits down next to a well, to, no doubt to get some water, get some rest. And a Samaritan woman comes up. Okay, this is a half-breed. This is a woman. In this culture, those are two big strikes against you, that you're non-Jewish and you're not a man. In that culture, two big strikes, and a Samaritan woman comes up, and we get to see their interaction. And I've kind of cut and pasted, so this is in all of John chapter 4. If you want, you can grab a pew Bible or one of the little uh, John booklets out there. I've kind of cut it and pasted here for you. Here's kind of basically essentially how their conversation goes. Will you give me a drink? That's what Jesus first, that's how he, that's how he approaches her. She says to him, how can you ask me for a drink? You know, we don't associate with each other. You're a man, I'm a woman. You're, a, you're Jewish, I'm a Samaritan. And Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water, a key. You know, before this, did, did anybody realize, did, did any of you guys know that there's a difference between dead water and living water? You know, like you went to your faucet, I'm like, I hope I'm getting the living water. You know, this must have struck her at least a little bit as odd. But she continues on, where can you get this living water? What, you know, failing to understand, Jesus answers her, the water I give you and or give people will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life, eternal life. Another key to what Jesus is getting at. The woman says to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And I've listed up there, there's this, there's this kind of ebbing, uh, ebb and flow of kind of going back and forth between physical and spiritual. She is thinking purely in physical terms and he is speaking in spiritual terms, trying to communicate some powerful truths to her. And she's not getting it. And so he tries another approach. He tells her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replies. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So some other conversation happens there. Jesus says, you know, it's true, you don't have a husband. Um, and the man you're living with isn't your husband. She says, I can see that you're a prophet. 
Jesus is like, all right, we're getting, we're getting warmer here. This is good. Jesus responds to her, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and light bulbs are kind of going off in her head. She's, she's tracking that it's a spiritual conversation now. The woman responds to him, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declares to her, I who speak to you am he. Ding, 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 ding. This is not, no longer just, hey, I can see that you're a prophet, a spiritual guy, all the way to the revelation that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Just then, uh, the, Chris, pr- Chris preached on that. Just then, um, the disciples come back. They had been gone, and they come back. And again, we kind of have this back and forth of physical, spiritual happening. They're surprised to find him talking with a woman. Okay, it's a big deal. But no one asks him, what do you want or why you're talking with her? Just failing to, to even address it at all. His disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So in there, again, a spiritual comment. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Failing to understand Jesus, trying to talk in spiritual terms, he addresses them again. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus, in this conversation with the woman at the well, in this conversation with the disciples, trying to get to deeper spiritual truths and get beyond the physical, he he goes to another approach with his disciples. He says, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life. Again, a key phrase. Eternal life. Not just life, not just harvest, not just uh, food, but eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. And that's what Steve talked about last week, the reaction of the disciples. And this week, we're going to spend some time looking at the response of the Samaritans, those that the woman went back to and talked to and shared with. I've cut, cut and pasted verses 28 through 30 and 39 to 42, which gets at the response of the Samaritans. It says, this is incredible. This is great news. This is just good for us this morning. So after interacting with Jesus, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And then the question, could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Then skip into verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, Jesus' words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We see that this woman's response and bringing back and talking with other people is not so much a theological argument for why Jesus is the Messiah. It's not like, hey, he explained it all to me. See, we got this, this hill where we've been worshiping. You know, the Jews, they worship over in Jerusalem, and we've been kind of worshiping up on, on our holy hill here. And, and Jesus explained it all to me. It, it's not about that. She doesn't doesn't go that route. She goes a more personal route. This man told me 
everything I ever did. No doubt an exaggeration, but for her, she felt like, he knows me. He knows who I am. He knows that I have five husbands, had five husbands, and the man I live with now is not my husband. Being known by someone is extremely influential. Extremely influential. Being known by somebody. Some of you in this room may not have the same feeling I do when we think of mother and father. Well, when I think of mother and father, my mom and dad, there's no doubt, there's no doubt in my mind that every day, every day of my life, they have loved me and cared for me and sacrificed for me. I never had to worry about, do they know me? Do they care about me? Extremely influential in my life. They are extremely influential. No doubt about it. My wife is the same. No doubt. I know she loves me and cares about me. She makes tons of sacrifices for me. Many of you got the prayer updates that she was struggling as the kids were, were not doing too well while I was in Seattle. Huge sacrifice. She knows me. She cares about me. She loves me. And for her, this Samaritan woman, this is what ministered to her more than any argument about what is right, what is the accurate way of worshiping, how should I worship. What spoke to this woman is that Jesus knew her. In some form or fashion, he knew her. And for her, she's wondering, this guy is unlike anything other that I've ever met. Could this be the Christ? And Jesus, in his grace, something I'm going to keep coming back to, Jesus, in his grace, gets things out of the way, anything that could keep her from knowing him, gets them out of the way so that she can see Jesus. Can kind of just see all this in between. There's the Samaritan woman and here's Jesus and he's got to get through all this stuff and he slowly puts gender aside. And then he comes to the next thing and he slowly puts ethnicity and religion aside. And it gets to the point where it's just him and her and oh, by the way, her sin. <laughs> which is a pretty big deal. So let's, let's keep reading and see if he, if he addresses that at all. Verses 40 through 42. Uh, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Many believe because of what she said. Not all. Many believe because of her words. Others just weren't convinced by that. Um, they invite him to stay two more days. He stays with them two days. And this is their, these are the words of these other people. We no longer believe just because what you said. We've seen for ourselves. We've heard for ourselves. And we know this man really is the savior of the world. And that might be true of you, some of you in here. Some of you might have come to faith, might have come to church based on somebody else's words. That was enough for you. It's like, yeah, I trust Joe. I trust Tim. I trust Vicki. They're good. Yeah, if, if she really says this is the truth, if he really says that this is the way, I believe him. I'm going to trust him. And other of you in this room, you're like, uh-uh. Ain't going to be enough for me. I got to see this guy. I got to hear this guy. I got to hear his, I got to meet him for myself before I can believe Kind of like, uh, like when you guys were growing up, do you ever, maybe, maybe half the, did you ever collect like baseball cards? 
And uh, like when you're, when you're like second, third, fourth grade and you're doing this thing, and uh, no doubt somebody brings in like the big one. It's like, hey, I got Jordan's rookie card. You know, it's like, oh, that's cool. No, 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 his rookie card. It's like, yeah, right. You know, other guys are just like, no way, you got Jordan's rookie card, you got Jordan. And they totally buy it based on this one guy's story. And others are like, no, no, I got to see the card. I got to see the card. And uh, I think it's, it's the same way here. It's like, some, some of you are going to be like, you know what, my mom and dad, they told me about Jesus. And I believed them. I just, I knew I could trust them. And so I've been, ever since, I've been trying to live my life for Christ. And then others of you may not have had that, and you said, I need, to, I need to seek this thing out. i got to understand for myself. And at some level, after getting rid of the gender thing and getting rid of the ethnicity and religious thing, Jesus, at some level, it's not clear from the text, but at some level, even a minimal level, he dealt with the sin issue. By these words, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Savior of the world at some level, it, it, it's, it's such a huge word, but at some level, it deals head-on with sin. And I get that from John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Which is attached to, to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Which is connected to this idea of Moses lifting up a snake. Just like the Son of Man would be lifted up. They don't have a full understanding of the cross, no. But at some level, Jesus reveals himself as the Savior of the world. Five husbands. The man you're now living with is not your husband. Dealt with. Dealt with by Jesus Christ. Addressed. And we have the blessing and the privilege of knowing it comes through the cross. The life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. As I thought about uh, these words uh, during a couple of the speakers that might not, should not have been asked to come and speak, uh, <laughs> as I thought about these words, it's, it's not that difficult. These words right here. So this lady, she's approached. Jesus reveals himself. She follows. She brings it back to her people. It's incredible. But this, this you know, village, this town, this neighborhood, says, yeah, we believe he's the Savior of the world. In and of itself, it's like, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Spiritually, that's fantastic. But it just kind of wasn't hitting. Like, it wasn't resonating. I'm like, God, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> you know, like, what do you want me to say to hope? Like, what do you want me to... And this is when I, when I invited that, when I asked God to reveal something to me, I feel like what he gave me is the reason I fell more in love with Jesus because of this passage. He kind of pointed me to look at the number of barriers in my own life, in my own life that Jesus has crossed in order to reveal himself to me. And I wanted to just give you a couple. He crossed, somehow he was able to span 2,000 years, all right? It's been thousands of years since this. That in and of itself blows me away that Jesus Somehow, some way, in grace, reached me thousands of years after the time he lived and died on the cross. And true, he lives, he lives today. I'm talking specifically with his past. He crossed a class barrier 
that we would term class. I'm middle class. Jesus is not middle class. He is poor, okay? Look in, if you look in the Word and you trace it, and a guy at, at the conference did a great job, a guy named Tim Keller did a great job tracing some of these things. Uh, Matthew 8, 20, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was a homeless man. Jesus was a homeless man. Where was he buried? In a tomb that he didn't own. They cast lots for his clothes, and that was the last possessions he had. This guy had nothing. So somehow, someway, Jesus crossed a class barrier. What other person in your life from a lower class has had such an influence in your life? If you're middle class like me, is there somebody in a poorer class, in the poorer class, that has had a huge influence on you? My guess is probably not. Probably not as much as Jesus Christ who is poor. He crossed the barrier becoming human. He's God. He exchanged the glory and fellowship with the Father to come down and become human so that I would have some way, some capacity of being able to interact with him. It says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He crossed the barrier of geography. Somehow this message worked its way from the Middle East all the way to here, to Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's incredible. It's incredible. This is not the days of email. You know, this is not the days of blogging. This is... He crossed the barrier of ethnicity and language. Huge. Huge. How about the, the, the piece that, that Nicole read? That I was a Gentile. That I am a Gentile. He crossed that barrier. How about my own pride? Somehow, someway... God was able to cross that barrier, the, the barrier of pride in my life where I'm like, I got this all figured out. I got this all figured out. I'm going to go to the U. I'm going to become a chemical engineer. I'll make lots of money. My wife won't have to work. She'll take care of the kids. I'll play softball on the weekends. I'll go golfing on the weekends. It's going to be great. You know, this pride of like, I got it all together. I got it taken care of. Somehow, someway, he was able to get through to me in his grace, in his love. He was able to get through to me. It's incredible. These are just six that, that I came up with. My charge for you this morning would be to consider that. Consider all the barriers that God has taken, all the steps that God has taken across these barriers in your life. And some of them should be the same as me. You know, 2,000 years ago, um, class barrier, barrier of geography. It's unbelievable, unbelievable the lengths that God has gone. And it's not about me. It's not about any one of us. It's the fact that he goes after, he runs after the lost. Perhaps um, you're wondering if God can identify with where you're at. Talk about some of these barriers, and it's not where you're at right now. And so I want to hopefully, maybe, address some of these that you might be thinking right now. Does God identify, like, like he did with the Samaritan woman, and spend two days, does God identify with me in my loneliness? In my loneliness. Does God know how I feel? How lonely I am? I'd point you to Matthew 27, 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why do I feel so lonely? It says that on the cross. 
I want to say yes. God can identify with you and your loneliness. Maybe you're, you're wondering if God can identify with that part of you. And maybe I'm just speaking to some of the guys. That just, there's a room of people. And they're all against you. And you just fight them all and you win. Is there, there's just something in God that's like, I want a God who, do, he can do that. And he does, time and time again. Exodus 15, verse 3, says the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Man, I, I, want, to identify, I want God to identify with my desire to be like a strong warrior. And unfortunately, some of the pictures of Jesus that we have is that he's very soft. And he's incapable of battling. And I sit there and I think, man... He, he has heaven and hell before him. And he goes in to the earth and he rescues people. Man, this guy is a stud. He is a warrior. He's a fighter. And it, and it, it ministers to me. Perhaps you're here and you're wondering if, if things are all right between you and God. Are we cool? Am I accepted? Is everything okay between us? The word for you this morning is that, yes, you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. God can identify with that. What about mothers? Some of you are wondering, ah, I wasn't that close to my mother. I, didn't, I wasn't that close to my dad. Can God identify with you? And uh, I want to say yes. God is on. God loves widows, orphans. He is for you. And it, it, in James 1, it talks about a religion that is faultless. Religion in the good sense. That is pure and faultless is this. You look after widows and orphans. That's the heart of God. The Father heart of God, loving you, caring for you. And this may not reach many of you, but for some of you, possibly. Can God identify with me as I despair of life itself? Jesus is identified as a man of sorrows in Isaiah 53.3. In Matthew 26, verses 37 and 38, Jesus takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Overwhelmed to the point of death. I want to encourage you this morning that, yes, God can identify with you too. Hebrews 4, verse 15, clinches it all identifying with us in every way. We do not have a high priest. We do not have a Jesus who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, just as we are, just as we are, yet was without sin. He can identify with you. Even this morning, even this morning, he wants to connect with you, identify with you. Even this morning, the choice before you is, is core 
speaking physical words that I can hear. Is this just a physical thing that's happening? I got up. I was the one who came this morning. He came. He was going to be preaching. It's just physical. It's just the way it was going to be. Or is it possible that this morning, even this morning, something very spiritual happened? That by the grace of God and by his Holy Spirit, you made it here this morning so that you could hear that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That the world that we operate and live in is dwarfed by the spiritual reality of Jesus Christ and his love for you and what he has done for you. And that the glory of God is so big and so worthy that the sacrifice would be the Son of God himself. Jesus would go to that lengths that the glory of God would be made known and that the love of God would be communicated to us this morning. My prayer for you and for us this morning, my prayer for you and for me this morning is that we would just understand just the grace that's been given to us right now. Right now. All the barriers that have been crossed to get us to this point right now so that you could hear Jesus Christ loves you. No matter who you are, what you've done, no matter what gender you are, what class you come from, no matter how much money you make, how little money you make, no matter what your educational background is, Jesus Christ loves you. And he's crossed many barriers to get to this point right now so that you can hear that this morning. And maybe you'll take my words for it. Maybe you'll take my testimony about it this morning. Some of you already are feeling that. You're feeling the grace of God that's been extended to you, how this message got to you, all the different ways through language and crossing geographical boundaries, and it's gotten to you this morning, and you're ready. You're just saying, yeah, praise God. And some of you aren't. You're just not convinced. And if that's the case, I just want to give you an invitation. Ask Jesus over for two days, whether it's through his word, whether it's through experiencing him by his spirit, whether it's experiencing him through his created world, whether it's through the fellowship and comfort and um, in conversation with other believers, invite Jesus to spend a couple days with you. Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, I want to come to you this morning because I can, because you've revealed your son to me and to us. God, of all the things that could have gotten away in the way of us connecting, you've eliminated so many barriers. And before me, I see a Jesus Christ who died for me, for my sin, and with it secured life eternal if I would believe. And God, if there's anybody in this room who has not taken that first step of believing in you, they just feel like there's too many barriers, I I pray that you would reach them this morning and that those barriers would be cast aside and they'd see the glory 
of Jesus Christ and what he has secured for us. If we would only believe in him. God, if there are people in this room who haven't done that, my prayer is that your spirit would move in such a way, any resistance, any pride, any final barriers would be cast aside so that they could see Jesus, believe in him, and receive eternal life this morning. And God, for the rest of us who have taken that step, that initial step, but for whatever reason, we're allowing barriers to be re-resurrected and that our pride is getting in the way or the way we want things done is getting in the way or we don't like what you're doing in our lives. We don't like what other people are saying to us. God, would you allow us in grace by your spirit to have those fall so that before us is Jesus Christ. God, it's my prayer, it's our prayer that this would not just be a physical thing, coming to church, crossing off the list, I got that done today, but that spiritually you would move for your glory and for our joy. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.